Our Heavenly Father, please give us your Holy Spirit and understanding of your will. We see the task and the importance of what we have to do for your kingdom. And thank you for this privilege. And thank you for the power, for the faithfulness to your promises that we see day by day. In the name of Jesus, amen. Yeah. This was my first pastoral meeting in, uh, in Germany, and this is a true story. I have to say, uh, this is illuminating the world with his glory. Uh, this is a true story. When I came as a pastor in Germany, uh, we had a meeting and they presented me as a new pastor, as it's always the case. Uh, and they asked me several questions and I was there answering. And then close to me, next to me, it was uh, an old pastor. And he said to me, um, is it for the first time that you work in a German speaking country? I said, yes. And the next question was, do you understand the meaning of the word pastor? I said, of course, <laughs> I'm doing shepherd. And he uh, gave me the hand and he said, welcome to the club of German shepherds. <laughs> 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 this was my first <laughs> true story. Uh, welcome words coming to, to Germany. Right now there is another story how to be a good shepherd, to illuminate the world with his glory. It's almost impossible for, for ourselves. The task is huge. And you cannot, you cannot by yourself, but your methodology, but you, by your qualities, skills, everything, charisma, everything that you want, you can never achieve to illuminate the world with his glory. Ask Buddhists, they will tell you, be like Buddha and you will be illuminated. Because Buddha means someone who is illuminated. Um, ask other people, I don't have time to go through all elements and you will understand that everybody has solution. But nobody is able to illuminate the world with his glory. And still, when you read the Bible, illuminate the world with his glory, it's Revelation chapter 18. You know this story. <laughs> Illum um, illuminating the world with his glory is the task for the end time remnant church. So who will, who will be ab able? Will we wait until the end? Will we sleep right now waiting for the later rain, as we say? No, when you read Ellen White, when you read the, the Bible, you will understand that today God has a mission for you. And again, when you see that the, uh, as we said already in uh, uh, Revelation chapter 18, that the, the mighty angel came and the, 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 ear, the earth was illuminated with his glory. So we understand the impact, the huge impact of this mighty angel. 
So if you look at the Psalm 96, verse 1 to 3, you will see, you will see the same concept. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Is it possible? In general, sing to the Lord Jewish people. This is at the time of Jews. Or sing to the Lord Christians. But sing to the Lord all the earth, which means that it is a universal message and that we have something to do to help the work, the mission of the remnant, of God's remnant, in order to help everybody to sing. So the universal mission is almost everywhere. If you look at the Old Testament, prophets, psalms, uh, even Torah, you will find the idea of universal message. For example, Abraham, and you shall be a blessing to all nations. The remnant exists to be a blessing. To sing to the Lord, this is the main purpose of the remnant, to sing to the Lord the new song, to help all the earth to sing the same song. What is the song? This is what we said just before uh, our uh, previous pre presentation was to say to everybody that the true message is the message of wonderful love that we see in God himself. When we meet God, we understand that he has a message of peace, the message of joy, the message of hope, and of course, the message of love. So, I remember a church father, Augustine said, very rightly, he said, our old human nature wants to sing old songs. Our new spiritual nature wants to see new songs. Why it is so, says the church father Augustine, this is idea coming from his book, he said, because of the fact that when we come to God, we become a new creation. And the new creation cannot sing old songs. <laughs> it's never possible. Which means that if we learn others to sing our old songs, that we sing already five years, 10 years, 20 years, we are already bored to listen to the same message. How can, we, how can they be enthusiastic about listening to our message? Which means that we need day by day to have a new experience with God in order to have something new to present to people. The same old message but new because God is always new. Do you know Lamentation, book of Lamentation, chapter 3? His mercy are new every morning. So God is new every day. And our message, so my goal this evening is to show you that it is possible to illuminate by God's grace the world and to help them to sing, as I say, sing evangelism. It's so easy that doing evangelism, you can sing. 
we are afraid to do evangelism. I presented three, um, three things, two this morning and one this afternoon. I was told that the last one will be something practical. So something practical, we will try to see how it is possible to be part of God's project in order to help others around us to sing. And you, when, you, when you see here, sing to the Lord, bless his name, proclaim the good news of his salvation from day to day, declare his glory among the nations, his wonders among all people, universal message. When you read this text, you understand immediately. Don't proclaim Seventh-day Adventist Church. Proclaim the salvation of God. We have nothing to show to others if it is not God himself. The true story of evangelism is the story of God. We have nothing to present about Seventh-day Adventists. And you will see immediately after what is the meaning. We are presenting God and his salvation. And this message of salvation can illuminate his glory. By his glory, the world. The second aspect. <clears throat> worship God. If this morning I said that the book of Revelation chapter 18 is very closely connected to the Revelation chapter 14. Because the book, the chapter 18 is telling again the same sangled message. It is fallen, it is fallen, Babylon the Great. And in chapter 18 you have again the same story, the same message. So, this is what I learned. And for several years, and even today, if I have someone who doesn't know the identity of Seventh-day Adventist Church, usually I start my Bible studies with him doing 10 presentations, 10 Bible studies about three angel messages. This is very nice as Bible study. But three angel messages are not an anthology of doctrines. It's not a collection of you have to do this, you, you don't have to do this, and something similar. It's not mainly about doctrine. It's more the presentation of God himself. And the only right attitude at the end of time, at the judgment time, the right attitude is to worship God. So this is the most important aspect. I don't want to spend too much time because you will understand easily how important it is at the end of time, and especially in the book of Revelation, to talk about the true worship. I'm only afraid that we never have time to talk seriously about what kind of worship do we have individually and as a community of believers, because it is necessary. Um, Satan will, will do everything possible to disturb us. And it is a surprise for me, but the reality is so. It is a surprise that 
we know that our main identity is the worship. And still, it can be controversial. This is the reality. Our enemy knows how to deal with everybody. And uh, the reality is today, we understand the, the worship as something difficult to deal. And when you have pastor's meeting, we avoid to talk about different worship styles. We avoid to talk about biblical concept of worship. And we continue. And we continue. And we need to understand that it is really the message that will illuminate the entire world. So if we know that this message will illuminate the world, it is good for us to be united, presenting the right message. The next, next aspect is if we want to illuminate the world with his glory is to live the prayer of Jesus. John chapter 17. Only to help you to understand because if you want to illuminate the world with his glory, then I would, I would suggest that the disciples of Christ will be illuminated with the same glory. Do you agree with me? How can you illuminate the world with the glory without having the glory for yourself? You have nothing to share with others if you don't possess the same glory. So, I'm just quoting John chapter 17, verse 22 and 23. We like to underline the aspect of the unity in this chapter, excellent chapter. But don't forget that there is unity as consequence and not as a primary goal. Unity is the consequence. And the primary goal is the action of God for us. <clears throat> this is the action of God. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them that they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me. That they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them <coughs> as you have loved me. <clears throat> you see that the unity is the consequence of what God did for us. Jesus decided to give us his glory. Do, do you understand what is, what is, according to yourself, what is this idea of, and the glory which you gave me, I have given them? What do you think? What is the story of the glory that we received? While you are thinking, I will just help you quoting Romans chapter 3. The Apostle Paul has an excellent statement. He said, we are all sinners. And we fall short. Do you know the, 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 the story? 
So which means that the only thing that we are lacking, only thing, the, the main thing is God's glory. And I would say, analyzing this text, that without God's glory, there is no unity. Because here is very clearly stated that I gave them glory that they may be one. When you say that, which means that because of the fact that they have glory, they can be one. I, I would say that you will correct me if I'm wrong, but during, how do you say, after the creation and during the stay of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, Eden, you can see Adam and Eve in enveloped in, the, in God's glory. Do you agree with me? You can see several references, even through the Bible, reminding this. And when God came to dwell among his people, he said that he will come with his glory. When God came in the sanctuary, uh, how to say, it is sure that when you talk about the heavenly sanctuary, there is no doubt about God's glory. Shekinah is the first characteristic of God in heaven, what we can understand. When you read Isaiah chapter 6, or if you read the prophet Ezekiel, you will see the same story. But the fact is that God could come in another way to dwell among his people, but he decided to come with his glory. And he decided to give us the opportunity to receive what we lost with Adam and Eve. So which means that through Jesus Christ, the pathway coming to the heavenly sanctuary was again available to us. Do you remember the story of chapter 3, Genesis chapter 3? God said, it is too dangerous for them. They are sinners right now. And if we allow them to go, the road was closed. And the angel was there to say, it is forbidden. You cannot access to the tree of life. But through Jesus Christ, we have again a right to come into the most important place in the universe. Do you remember what we said this morning? Where is the origin of sin? In heaven? When you say heaven, you say specifically in heavenly sanctuary. Sin comes from heaven, very close to God's throne. Lucifer was there. The, how to say, he was doing his ministry in the most important place in heaven. And then he decided to follow another way. And he came to this planet. 
unfortunately. I, I, I cannot say differently. He came here. And then because of him, we lost access to the heavenly sanctuary. And because of the fact that sin came from the heavenly sanctuary, right now the solution comes also from the heavenly sanctuary. Do you agree with me? Because if you want to find solutions for heaven, we are in a, such a big difficulty to find solution for ourselves here. And to imagine that we can find solution for heaven, it's crazy. We have problems with finances, we have problems with uh, ecology, we can problems with pol politics, we can problem with ethics, we can problem with the nuclear energy, we can all kind of problems. We cannot solve our problems in our families. And we can find a solution for the universe. It's not possible. This is why we need the only way existing to connect us with God, with heaven, with heavenly sanctuary. So, the glory that God gave to us is the glory, according to myself, the basic element. You can add so many others. It's, you can find it in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, 2, and 3. 1 John will tell us that before knowing God, we were nothing. We were sinners. We felt short of the glory of God. But through Jesus Christ, we became God's children. We had again a place in heaven. And he gave us the glory, if we want to accept, the glory of being his children. What is practically the question here? And the glory which you gave me, I have given them. The glory of being God's children. And this is the only way that we can be united, be one. As someone said, uh, a rabbi, Jewish rabbi said, when is the beginning of a day or the end of night? And they started to imagine all kinds of solutions. You know, when a rabbi asks questions, you need to be very smart to find. It, in general, it is to help you to think. <laughs> and they started to say, if you see clearly, or, and so on. So many options. And the rabbi said, if you see in your neighbor your brother, then it is a day for you. Until you see him as brother, until you don't see him as brother, it is still night for you. This is a big gap. We are all God's children or we are not. And the true glory of God is to help us to reflect the glory of God, the glory of Jesus. And when we reflect his character, then we become 
as it is explained here, one in him. Let me, let me explain to you how to share the glory of God with others. And this, this is something specific. I will suggest you 10 steps in order to help you to do evangelism every day, every day. This is the only way, according to myself. Do you know what is the, the only method working? I'm helping you. Ellen White said very clearly, Jesus' method is the best one, the only successful method. Yeah, which means Jesus mingled with people and he answered to their needs. And when the trusting relationship existed, then he said, follow me. This is the only method. This is not me telling you this. Ellen White says this. When I was in Quebec, we understood that in a very secular society, it is hard to illuminate everybody with God's glory. It's really hard. I had a neighbor, he was Catholic, and when I came for the first time there, it was a building, I was just cleaning uh, the yard with, uh, it was September, with uh, leaves, and uh, I started to talk with him, and he asked me about my profession, everything, and I said, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist pastor, and he said, I'm a Catholic. Okay, and uh, probably one month after, I said to him, oh, nice to see you again. You know what's happened to me? My wife was waiting for the working permit and the guy from the immigration told her that she has to wait one year. And we were afraid a little bit, but we decided to pray and God was good and she received the working permit in six weeks. And two days ago we received and she can start to work. And I said, I'm so glad that God was good to listen and to answer to our prayers. And he said to me, Pastor, I don't like to talk about religion with you. It was a <laughs> surprise for me. I said, you know, uh, I am not interested at all in, in um, church activities, in, in the Bible, nothing, nothing. I said to him, I'm so sorry to disturb you but I only shared it because you told me the last time that uh, you are Catholic. So as I am Seventh-day Adventist, this was normal to me to tell you how I was happy that God was listening to my prayers, nothing else. Yes, I'm Catholic, but uh, I'm not interested in religion. I'm Catholic because of my parents. But less we talk about religion, better it is for us. So I understood that when you, when you say, I'm Christian, it's not necessarily that people are interested to listen about the Bible. They are Christian because their parents are Christian. So we started, 
I remember that I did a presentation with another pastor and I did my part of introduction and then he started the second part and uh, I presented uh, so many things about Christian ethics but general statements it was only introductory and then after another pastor started his presentation and he quoted so many known uh, philosophers and other writers Sartre Aristotle, um, Socrates, and then he said, and Jesus said this, and he opened the Bible, and when he opened the Bible, we had more than 100 non-Adventist people, because we did the advertising through, through the, it is written, when he opened the Bible, probably 20 non-Adventists, they left. They said, we are not interesting, interested to, to listen to this. Then uh, we were praying, studying, and analyzing everything, and we decided to do the same presentation in another area, in another city. And we did the same, but with PowerPoint presentation. Just to try. You can always try. And then we did exactly the same thing. And he said, Jesus said, and he showed the text on the screen. Nobody left. <laughs> we had even more non-Adventist people. Then we understood it's not only that they want to tell you, I'm not interested with religion, but when you have a vocabulary of religion, they're rejecting what they know that they don't like. So this is how we started. And we created a plan, we called it One Soul for Christ. And we said, we want to be Christians who are witnessing every day. This is God's word, it's not me. The difficulty was not to contact others. The difficulty was to help our members to understand that it is possible, because for them it's not possible. And I will go through 10 steps to show you that you can, you can uh, do evangelism every day. Before explaining it, I have four statements to tell you. You cannot, evangel uh, do, you cannot do evangelism without underst understanding these four aspects. You need <clears throat> to understand who you are. You need to understand why you are doing what you are doing. You know, need to understand what is your mission, what you are doing. And then you have to understand the right vision. What is the main goal? You want to be where? Uh, as someone said, Carl Rogers, he said, if you don't know where you are going, at the end of the road, you will be somewhere else. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> it's very funny, <laughs> but it is true. If you don't know where you are going, at the end of the road, you will be somewhere else. 
And then you ask, how it is possible that we are there? <laughs> so you need to know the final vision. If you know these four things, then you can go in the right direction. And these are four statements, very important. The first one, the gospel remind us that we are first Christians. We are first Christians and then Seventh-day Adventists. And I'm not diminishing my identity. I'm very proud to be Seventh-day Adventists. But I'm first Christian. Because if I'm not Christian, then I'm not Seventh-day Adventist. You understand? Christian means following Jesus Christ. And if someone is not understanding well, I will explain to him that the true Christian is following Jesus Christ. Not only to have a title, but really, I am a first Christian and I am promoting Jesus Christ. The second aspect, this is the basic statement. The second one, why we are doing what we are doing? Because of love. We love people. We don't want to show them that they, we are smarter than they are. Or, I don't know, to promote something. We love them. Period. This is prerequisite for good evangelism. If you are asking other questions, it will not work. Try and you will see. Then, I understand and we understand that our mission is to be Seventh-day Adventists. This is our mission. Seventh-day Adventists, which means preparing people to meet God. And this is our mission. And we are 100% committed to our mission. Our mission is to tell people, fear God and give Him glory for the hour of His judgment has come. This is to be Seventh-day Adventists. I love God from my heart totally, but I know what is my mission. And if my identity is only to be Seventh-day Adventist, I can spend years and years in the church doing nothing for others. You know, understand? The true mission of the Seventh-day Adventist church is to be Seventh-day Adventists. <laughs> This is the mission. The mission is to say to others, Jesus is coming soon. And what is the main vision? What is the final destination? The final destination is heaven. The final destination is eternity. And when you focus on eternity, then you will find immediately the reasons and opportunities to share with people around you the solution for them because they are suffering and you talk to them about eternity they have someone they lost someone very important to them they lost job and they are asking question and after and after this is how we work we are sharing with others our final destination because we are Christian because we love and because we know our mission, we are Seventh-day Adventists. So, 
10 steps to illuminate the world with his glory, not our glory, with his glory. The first step is revival. Spend at least one month without thinking about your friends. Think about God and you. You need to understand the question of salvation before sharing with others the same salvation. You need to leave something strong with God before helping them to leave something strong with God. So the first step, do revival. The best for you is to give one month for each step. Then you will have almost the entire year. Or more, or less, it, de it depends. But it is really important before presenting the message of salvation to others, we need to leave it ourselves. The second step is, as I call it, sacrificial love. <clears throat> In Montreal, we have around um, almost 2 million people. When you say, I love uh, all people living in Montreal, there is no meaning in your statement for the mission. This is only something nicely said and no reality. If you, if you love two million people, you will show your love to nobody. Jesus had more than two million people in uh, Palestine at that time, in Judea, Galilee, Galilee, I don't know how to say it. Jesus had more, and he said, I will show my love for three and a half years to 12 people, to 12 disciples. The intensity of love can be shown only with a limited number of persons. You cannot love everybody in Oshawa, in Toronto, all your neighbors, all your, I don't know, in your school, in your job. It's not possible. God is not doing so. God said, and this is the methodology of the perfect God. God said, spend time with a limited number of persons and you will see how wonderful it is. So I say, this is only a suggestion. Make the choice of showing God's love, but in, with intention, sacrificial love. Show them sacrificial love to seven people. Pray for them, for their life, their salvation, as well as the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to lead them to Christ. Spend time, spend one week, spend one month. Analyze people around you. And think, what is God's will? Who would be that individual that you will show, and I repeat it, sacrificial love? And when you say sacrificial love, think about the first Christian church, apostolic church. They said, sacrificial love, nothing is belonging to myself. I look to others, I see their needs, and I act 
as God's child. It will be costly, but I will show them the same love that I saw in Jesus Christ. It is only the sacrificial love that can impress others. Doctrine cannot. Doctrine, doctrines will come after. But first they have to see love of God, God's love. The first aspect is, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And all other things will come after. So, select people. Establish a list of people. Pray. And look for God's signs. And when you pray to meet people, you will see how God's pre God prepares. Let me share with you something that I like so much. I was presenting this program in several churches when I came to Quebec. And I said to them, I, I presented everything and they liked and we had a tremendous experience there. But I said to myself and to my wife, we are presenting to everybody and we are new here in Quebec. We, we know nobody. And I'm always traveling. I cannot find my friends by seven people, and I would like to have seven people. Lord, please find people for me. And I remember well one morning before leaving to our, to my job, uh, to the Quebec Conference uh, office, I prayed really from my heart. I said to, to the Lord, I'm not at ease to promote evangelism and not to participate. Find friends for me. It was at 7 in the morning. At 10 o'clock, I was in the office with someone. I have a call from my secretary. Someone speaking your language would like to talk to you. And I started, it was someone from our country, from Yugoslavia. And he said to me, Pastor, I need a, a document of someone from Chicago. And I was there. Could you please connect me with, uh, with them? No problem. Just give me your phone number or address or whatever you want, uh, email. Uh, he said, I'm in the same building and you, as yourself. I said, it's not possible. So I asked this person to, to, um, to wait, and I went down, and I saw someone who didn't visit Seventh-day Adventist church for 30 years. Before he was Seventh-day Adventist, he was youth director in, in a big church, Novi Sad, big church. And we started to discuss. I will tell you, this is my joy. <laughs> Four hours we were discussing together about God. Four hours. I was not asking big things. I was only asking God to find friends for me. And I had no time to look for friends. And I will very briefly tell you the story of him. At that time, 30 years ago, we were very, a very conservative church in Yugoslavia. And one day he organized um, a picnic uh, on the Danube River around somewhere. And they were spending a nice day. 
at the beginning of the day, one girl uh, came to one boy, how to say, one young man, and gave him a red scarf. Just put something for fun. And then she left. And the young man was with the red scarf all day long. At the end of the day, everybody forgot about. At the end of the day, uh, the young boy came to the young girl and he said to her, this is your scarf? Yes. So do you want me to give you back your scarf? And her answer was, if you want. He was uh, thinking a little bit, he said, which means that I can keep it for myself. And she said, if you want. And he was thinking, and he said, okay, I will keep it for myself. It was everything, <laughs> all conversation in front of 200 people. <laughs> and this is the true story. And then when he came back, someone visited him from the board of the church board. And he said, how it is possible for you to accept this language publicly in front that a young boy and a young girl discuss and they date together in front of everybody? I said, no, that it was nothing. Yes, and, and you know, it was a big problem, big problem, 30 years ago. And then they said, we know what is the solution. We will invite a young man and this girl. They will come present their case in front of board members. And he said, this youth director, he said, please do never such a thing. If you want to ask me all kinds of questions, no problem. But if I'm in charge of my youth, then please, I have to answer, not themselves. But they insisted and insisted. And he said, okay, I will keep my position until the next election, and then I will leave. And uh, two months before, someone from his family invited him to come to Canada. And he came to Canada. And he came to one of our biggest churches in, in Montreal, Westmont Church, big church. And he was... Uh, on the, how to say, stairs uh, of the church, and he was reluctant to come to the church because he had a wrong experience from Yugoslavia. At the end, he could not enter into the church, and he said, Lord, you know me. You, you know that I'm honest. The only thing that I will tell you, I cannot come inside. I am so afraid for the new situation. I will keep aside my tithes. I will never eat pork. <laughs> this is his way of explaining to God. I will always be faithful with my vocabulary. I will never work on Sabbath day, but I cannot come into the church. If someone else has the same points of view, I will die. <laughs> And so for 30 years, he put aside his tithe 
he was praying regularly. And uh, that day, God allowed me to meet him for the first time. You can imagine. This is what you say. Ask God to show you your friends. And ask for miracles. Because the, the second epistle, the first epistle of Peter will tell you, all divine power will be given to us. All, you know, divine power. This is, this is not you and me. This is divine power will give, be given to you. Show sacrificial love. The third step, pray for them. Pray and pray. Pray presenting your friends to God and pray for your dedication to maintain the revival. And you will see that God will prepare the best way. The fourth step, benevolence. Do something good to them. This is the methodology of Jesus. Do something good. I had, I remember my wife, she can easily talk with everybody. And she saw that the janitor of our building, his wife is sick. And she helped for free. She was doing hours and hours without thinking but she was only willing to establish good relationships. And I was so glad to see that at the beginning they said, no, we are not interested with the Bible. That probably one year after, because of the sacrificial love and before, because of the benevolence, they accepted to pray, to read the Bible, to ask so many questions. It is only possible if we show them through our good actions, doing good to them, will opening the doors for the word of God to impress their heart. In Quebec, if you start with the health program, it will not work. We tried. Because with health program, people are always asking questions. What is behind? Who is doing this? Blah, 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 blah. Everything, everything. But if you are doing good to them, and then you tell them, we have a good health program, they will even not ask you about your background, what is behind. They already saw your love, your commitment to them. And they accept without problem. And this is how I enjoyed. This, the fourth step is benevolence. The fifth step, Hospitality. Don't um, miss steps. If the opportunity is good, yes, you can. But in general, first establish a strong relationship, then go further. Hospitality. Sharing the good news of salvation in our homes. Invite them for a party, for a birthday party, for whatever you want. Invite them. And they will understand that they are important to you. Sixth step, give them the best gift possible. In general, I do a small presentation, very short. I said to them, without explaining 
so many things about the Bible, but I only tell them, when I appreciate someone, I cannot give him an insignificant gift. And the most important gift for me that I can share with you is really this book. And I write on a card with a nice picture, I write a nice text from the Bible. I say, and I thought about you, and I said that this message is for you. And I give them. And that's it. Two minutes, three minutes. But tremendous impact. The seventh step, personal testimony. Give first the Bible and then do personal testimony. Sharing your own experience, you will not close the doors because people can discuss your doctrines. They can say, oh, I don't agree about life after death. And then you have polemics. But nobody can contest your own experience. Secular people, postmodern mind, they will all accept your version, your experience. And they will be open because they cannot say something against. And when you show them your personal testimony, I teach my members. We spend probably two months to prepare them for this personal testimony. We write a short statement of three, four lines, or we have a longer statement. And we help them to know how to tell it correctly with, with the power of God himself. And this is an excellent step. Then we start the eighth step, intercession. Praying not for our friends at our home, but praying with our friends for their immediate needs. They have problem with their son or daughter or job or house or whatever it is. We are there. We are always there. First time I tell them, I will pray, and then I don't pray. With them, I pray at home. But the next time when I see that they accepted, I tell them, can I pray for you? And then I pray. And I was really, for more than 30 years, never, they never refused. The nine one, visit them, but find a nice reason to visit them. Appreciate them and their home. And you will see that it will bond you together with them. And the 10th step, invite them, invitation. Invite them to study Bible together. And you can start with uh, studying health message from the Bible, or studying family issues from the Bible, or studying youth problems with, uh, with uh, through the Bible, or all kinds of problems, economy, uh, how to manage money, uh, finances from the Bible. You choose, but invite them. You will see if you are friend, if they come to you, if you visit their home, but everything with uh, sacrificial love. When you do this, then you will establish something similar to this. You have three months of preparation, your own revival, your commitment to sacrificial love and the choice of friends, your prayer and fasting. Then you have 
three months for the friendship, benevolence, hospitality, and the Bible. Then you have three months of spiritual contact, personal testimony, intercession, praying with them, home visitation, and at the end, as a result, it is not done, it's not baptism, but is one of the best methods to reach secular people. And I saw in 2008, we had 199 baptisms without this program in Quebec. In 2009, we had 312 baptisms with this program. And I am so glad to see that it works. If you want to illuminate the world with the glory of God, start with your friends. And then God will use his spirit and will guide you in order to do things for his glory. Thank you for your patience. Do you have some questions? Because the time is over. <coughs> Everything is crystal clear, no? <laughs> or difficult. I don't think that it is difficult. It's possible. And you will say, you will see, this is, you know, how it, it, it came. I asked so many questions. Uh, I was discussing with so many elders, deacons, youth directors, and everything. And then we decided to analyze what's happened in a good relationship. And if you want to help someone to know Jesus, you need to go through all these elements. Uh, and when you accomplish 10, I'm sure that after it will be easy, easy. And I enjoy it. I enjoy it. Then uh, you come with the uh, state of death, um, heavenly sanctuary, you know, all difficult. But first, show them who you are, Christians, and then you are seven deadlets. Can we pray to conclude our meeting? <coughs> our Heavenly Father, we had the opportunity to read uh, the book of Revelation, chapter 18, and uh, we had also the opportunity to see your plan. You want to see us as a part of your project. You already said in advance that you will illuminate the world with, with your glory. Lord, please help us to understand the importance of your mission and to understand how we can be effective serving you. Thank you also for all good things that you helped us to uh, experience with you. And I'm praying for everyone present here that we can step by step follow your will and glorify your name. Thank you in advance for listening and answering our prayers and helping us to be blessing for those who are around us. In the name of Jesus we pray.
This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.